We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Yo, if, if your mic is hot, that's on you. The, mic, the, hot, the mics are hot. <laughs> How y'all doing, man? What's good? What's good? This is the Eight Black Hands podcast coming at you live tonight. Let's check in with the fellas. Fellas, how y'all doing? We got a guest. Let's start with Dr. B. Dr. B, what's up, man? Uh, none but the rent. <laughs> Every month. Oh, uh, yep. Like clockwork. Clockwork, man. Good man for coming. Uh, I'm doing well, man. How are you all doing? I feel it. Reef, how you doing, bro? I see, I see Good, you. Good, man. How's everything? Times and whatnot. Man, you famous, man. You famous, famous. Hardly, hardly. How's everybody? It's a week, brother. It's a week. Doing well, yeah. man. Yeah, y'all, y'all had some adventures in Chicago. It's well. Uh, did you see what I just put in? So right as we're going live, uh, we just got a flash flood warning. So, mm. uh, so I don't know if I'll be able to do the extra show tonight, but um, we we on flash flood till about ten thirty tonight. So wow. fun stuff. Where, where are you at, Charles? Uh, I'm. You know, I'm in an undisclosed location as not in California, <laughs> but uh, you know. <laughs> And Brian, I like that you got the you capitalized the R in your name too. You know what I'm saying? It's very uh Yeah, I didn't mean to do that. I tried to flip it, but I was like, I don't know. Well, well do me a favor. You and Sharif, actually, y'all are at the bottom of your frame and your face is covered by your name. So oh. what, what tilt, you tilt, tilt your camera down just oh, a little bit. Magics is this. Oh, look at that. The camera moves. Oh <laughs> this is so nice, girl. You gotta do whatever you want. Oh my goodness. Hey Chris, how you doing, bro? What's happening? I'm good, man. It's been it's been a good week. Yes. Oh, and before we get started, Chris and Brian, y'all are now in the same space. Chris been trying to get you on the show, Brian, for his his morning thing. No, I'm gonna let y'all are. rock. No, people just dodge your brother. Just dodge me. <laughs> I didn't get. I get Dodging a brother. Private chat with you and my email, and then you can always email me. It's All right. No so we're gonna get you on the show too. <laughs> I, nothing, I literally yeah. have nothing but time. For people watching, that is the daily broadcast of Education Is Power on Citizen Ed. Catch it weekdays, nine a.m. What 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 uh when you say nine you guys yeah there you go what wait 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 Charles always Charles Charles just always like he's like autocorrect no you know what because people he's like, he's like human human embodiment no 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 no, no. I, I got yelled at I got yelled at last yeah. week because folks thought that the show was at nine but they thought it was nine California time and I'm like no 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 it was nine Eastern yeah. six Pacific so you gotta you know we gotta do brother we we national B. That's all. I, 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 I got you. Brian, so, that means you up very early, brother. Y'all sound super excited, and I'm glad that you guys are stoked about this show, but there's a system that needs to occur in yes, order for I us to it. get to the things that we need to get to. Here, here he comes and with the slam. Here he comes with the slam. the first question, though? Can we skip this one? <laughs> no, no, no. We're not skipping it. <laughs> so last night's versus was uh, Luda, Luda versus Nelly. Who won? Let us know in these comments. Let's get these comments rocking. Let's go. Let's do it. I didn't um, watch it, but I'm guessing Ludacris won. Like I would, what, I would imagine. I would, so. Yeah. I mean, what is Nelly like? Yeah. I mean, come oh, on. Nelly got hits. Don't do that. Nelly went 
He went no, 30 no, times do platinum. That. Do that. He no, went diamond. No, 30 times platinum. What does that even mean? He went 30 times. He sold no, no. 30 million so, copies of his first album. No, he went no, diamond. No, 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 no. I don't that believe is, that. So did Menudo. 10 million. I mean, I don't believe that. He sold 31 total. 31 total, but he went diamond. But I'm saying, he got 10 million. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Listen. Does he have lyrics? You know, okay, so let's, boys. so let's Backstreet keep going. Boys sold a lot of albums too. In sync, you know. Can we respect <laughs> our host, please? Our, ho- our host is trying to keep us on track. <laughs> right. Can you are listening hey, to hey, me. Host, can you let me know how many please, records like Vanilla Ice sold, please? Jesus. Uh, if you if you are if you are listening to this, please like, love, share, and do all those things for us. We about to jump in. All right, so. Tonight's episode, man, we showcasing Dr. Cole and his life work. Let's get it in. So, um, Dr. Cole, man. Yes, sir. Um, where we at? All right, so you dedicated your dissertation to your grandmother, Miss Ozetta Hooper, man. How did she inspire your work, bro? So my grandmother, uh, I mean, my grandmother was like my mother. That's kind of who I like lived with and stayed with. Uh, I mean, my mother was always kind of around and my, my dad, but that was for all intents and purposes my mom until she passed away. So... Um, I, she's to this day still the greatest woman I've ever known. Um, I don't really care about what many people think, uh, but her. And if you ever want to shame me, be like, what would your grandmama say? Uh, it'll really kind of mess me up way more than it should at, at, at 36. So uh, that's why I dedicated it to her and just how hard she worked. Uh, she is the reason why I don't understand the terms like self-care or, uh, you know, personal days because it just did not exist in her vocabulary. She just worked really, really hard with not a lot. And she took care of a lot of people. So, uh, you know, anyway, I, I don't even want to get emotional. That's, that's, that's who she is. She means more to me than anybody else in the world. Yeah. Grandma. So that, that's and... dope, bro. Uh, thank you for sharing. So everybody in here, everybody in here has an inspiration. So Reef, who's your inspiration, man? Who inspires you to do the things you do? <laughs> Yeah, I would say my parents, man, my parents and my teachers, elementary school teachers, like they all um, were just all in around educating black youth, making sure that they were uh, politicized and understood the connection between historical uh, issues and and current day as well as future. And so, you know, my parents, uh, they they just made a lot of sacrifices, man. So deeply, always in grateful, can never repay them, can never, ever repay them. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Dr. B, man, who's your inspiration? Uh, you know, I think my mom, uh, you know, she, um, uh, I mean, you know, she, she's, I'm an only child. And so uh, she did a pretty good job raising me, if I do say so myself. Uh, and uh, she, you know, a tough lady. She went through some stuff as a kid, uh, struggled with substances for a minute in her life. But, you know, she's got her, she retired a year ago, I think it was, maybe a year ago, November, from being a social worker. Uh, she um, got her master's in social work and has really just built a career. Now she travels the world. She ain't traveling nowhere right now, but she normally travels the world and uh, she's, you know, she's, she's an inspiration to me. Um, so, 
Yep. And she's adopted me, so that's out. You know. Yes, and Charles has met her a bunch of times, and she just she's like, "How you doing, son? Good to see you, nephew." She, she, she is, she's very uh, inspirational to me. <laughs> she, she pushed me that entire time I was doing that dissertation. She so. did. Her main question she's is married. now, when are you gonna settle down, get married, get some grandbabies? But we, I just ignore that question. We actually the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and all of you should stop. <laughs> all right, all right. So I'm, I'm I'm not gonna ask you that, but I'm gonna go to Chris. Chris, you who's go. your inspiration, bro? <laughs> I mean, I feel like we should have had this on the Mother's Day show. We, everybody should have talked Ooh. about their mothers. We should have all talked about our mothers on that day uh, and our oh, grandmothers yeah. and our, our grandmothers and our guardians. I, I think I said a little bit on on that show that I have a lot of aunts who um, who protected me and, and just were my guardians just in life in general. I had two, two uh, grandparents, uh, Consuela and, and Malcolm, who um, were like you, Charles. They, they brought me something from the other generation. They would tell me stories, story after story about how they earned their money, uh, you know, how, how hard it was through certain years um, and why they had all the skills that they had. They had a ton of skills. They could fix anything, anything ever broke, anything ever needed. Like they did plumbing, electrical, um, motors, small motors, big motors, you know, just it, it, was, it was amazing. And I don't do none of that now, but it was inspiring. Uh, <laughs> to have some skills in life, to know how to do something in life. So, yeah, shout out to aunts, man. I'm glad you brought that up. Aunts, man, or something else. Aunts is like my mother. I just will say, my mother was an amazing example, amazing example. But she was young when we were coming up. My aunts are the ones that laid down the law in life. They're the ones that made everything happen. Mm-hmm. And Ray, we don't want to leave you out, brother. What about That's you, what's man, up, bro? <laughs> So oh, my mother and my grandmother, actually, man, um, my grandmother, she instilled in me that, you know, education was going to be what was going to get me out of any situation that wasn't a good situation. Mm-hmm. And my mom, she drills it. You know, she's like, if you want to change the narrative of anything in life, make sure you have something that they can't take away from you. And that's education. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, my mom and my grandmother. You so know, one day we're gonna have to collect uh, all question, those man, Negro proverbs. We got to like <laughs> what you just said. We have to collect all the Negro proverbs at some point and put them in one book. Yeah, you know the book of grandma. Sell, show, show, yeah, the just book give it of away. Mom. Give it away. Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, Charles, man, talk to me, bro. This, this is about you, man. This is your life's work right here. Why is it important to have a positive? Why is it important uh, to have the positive attributes of black males captured in scholarship, bro? Well, I, w- I just want to start that answer. Uh, I want to start with a very serious response. Just first off, because I don't ever shoot you this much love and bail. I will want to. I do want to thank Ray just publicly because Ray had this idea that yo, all four of these of us do really good work, and like we should like find a way to lift that up. And I do want to just appreciate you for doing that because I wouldn't ever just kind of push for this type of show. So thank you for that. Um, and I look forward to celebrating you, Chris and Sharif, just like so we can dive deeper into that. Because I don't think I think people know us as a collective, but uh, each and every one of us is doing something that's really, really powerful. And we support each other in it. Uh, for me, I think um, it, it, it helps other kids see what's possible. Like, it, it, you know, when you see when you have. Uh, black males captured in scholarship where you can like see them, touch, touch them, talk to them. And they don't, you know, I remember growing up and thinking that education was only for white people. Right. I, I don't know how that kind of formed, but it was something in the ether that was just like, oh, I don't dress like them or I don't talk like them. And it's something cool about like seeing 
different types of black folks and just different types of people um, that can actually pursue some things and they sound like me. So it, it made it feel accessible to me. And, uh, and Brian is on here. And Brian is, I actually wasn't really tripping off going to get my doctorate. And the program kind of found me and I still really wasn't tripping off of it. And Brian kind of pushed me into it a little bit when I had a few talks with him. And uh, he was like, look, man, you're going to knock out the work. It ain't that crazy hard. You got something to contribute. And I'll be there for you however I need you to be, however you need me to be. And uh, I don't know if he knew at the time that I was going to make him be on my committee. Um, But, like, the way in which Brian, I'll say this, right? Like, Brian is somebody that I worked with, and I I consider him a friend and a mentor. And he's like, um, Brian knows I don't have a lot of family, right? The reason why his mom adopted me is because he makes me come to his house. His wife makes me come to their house for Thanksgiving. Christmas and stuff like that. And I would just hear Brian give these really thoughtful answers around education and he'd be really educated, but he sounded like me when he was doing it. And I saw how people responded to him. And so um, I just trusted his word in it because I actually didn't see that much. I didn't see all the value in it until folks like Brian, uh, but more specifically him, uh, actually did that for me. And I try to do that with other people, right? So even with my young people, I take them through processes that we did in a doctoral level. And I don't tell them that they're doing that till they finish it and they do it. And then I'm like, yo, you just did like a doctorate level, like reading and work just in, just to demystify this thing. Cause we kind of build it up uh, for black kids or, or brown kids or whomever that education ain't for them, that academia ain't for them. And it is. And once you get in there, you can actually change some things. Um, and you can actually have your voice heard. So, you know, I, I think that that question can go to other people in different ways, too. But I just wanted to pay homage to folks that poured into me that didn't necessarily have to. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that. Reef thoughts? Look, I, I mean, I agree with what he said. I mean, uh, I think having images, uh, you know, people who've already charted a path, even if it's a different path, right? Okay, today I listened to this uh this podcast about this black brother who's a burger and you know, he grew up really talented in math and science. And he, everybody said, Oh, you got to be an engineer or a doctor, but his heart, he wanted to study birds. Right. Like, and so now he's at Clemson, uh, you know, so he first he started being an engineer and he wasn't feeling it, but he saw one black birder and it was on TV. And he said, you know what, that's exactly what that speaks to my heart. That's what I want to do. So he, he cut out engineering, studied zoology, and now he teaches at Clemson. And then so I, I think about all these different stories in different ways. And he's like, I only know one other black birder, you know, that does this mm-hmm. professionally. Uh, Raymond, that's somebody who watches birds and studies birds and stuff like that. I saw you. Yeah, he had a, like a quizzical look on his face. He's like, oh, "That was a birder." Like, so, and, and, so let me tell you, that wasn't a quizzical look. That was me okay, my you forty-five second look. Like, why did your answers take more than forty-five seconds all the time? Uh, don't, don't clock, don't clock me, fam. Don't clock me. Mm. Let me be great, Chris. Jump in. So Burger was the case that they gave me. <laughs> That's gonna be Sharif's book. That's gonna be Sharif's book. That's gonna be Sharif's book. It's coming out next spring. Listen, this is this is um Charles and I have talked, Dr. Cole. We've talked about this for a long period of time. He he knows some of my thoughts going back to 2015 when he was like thinking about going to get his doctorate. Um, I was telling him how I read people's dissertations like as a hobby. Right. Like as a um, like it's just something I do because it's, it's all this free research that people have done 
our people from our own community have done the work. So if you know five or six or eight and 10, however many PhDs, you know, in your life and you go and you, you look at their dissertation, you're looking at research that was done by your own people um, that we should, we should consider to be uh, community-based scholarship. Um, and the more you read them, the more you figure out like, well, damn, you know, we have studied us a lot. And Charles, um, what he took on to study was novel. It was just different. Um, it was a different angle on, um, on the black male studies and the, and things around black males. When you put all the, the PhD dissertations together, people that, you know, and, and Charles and I talked about this, there should be a spot in the library for all of them. Right. Cause you spend so much time, effort, money. And when you put them all together, um, it's everything we need to know about our people. Right. We don't need other people to study us. Right. Like all these doctors, Dr. Cole. And the thing that I love about Charles enjoying it, I'm really suspicious that people get PhDs. I love their research, but they they become other people. They become different. Some of them come back really different. Charles doesn't. You know, Charles is going to be Charles. Charles LeVon Cole. He's going to be Charles LeVon Cole forever with a grill. So you, don't see, you don't see Charles with a with a hip with a hip hop curriculum. He didn't come back with the bow tie. He didn't come back with a bow tie. Like <laughs> talking nonsense, talking nonsense with a bow tie and trying to rhyme when you can't rhyme, oh, being all corny. Like, stop it. Don't do that. Uh, don't, right. don't lead him into that, man. Right. Right. Don't he stayed bite him. Yeah, he stayed himself. Y'all so crazy, man. <laughs> Dr. Jump in, what do you think, yeah. man? I mean, I think what's interesting is I think the thing. I, yes, that's that's true. Dex teacher. I'm a guest. I can do what I want. It's fine. Um, so I I think part of the reason that um, it matters seeing yourself is because so much of what the what the scholarship and research says about you uh, is is it says how bad and how much you don't count, how much you don't matter, and mm-hmm. how impossible it would be for you to experience level of success um and that's that's sort of the default setting so when you have researchers of color who are able to create research and study things and share that in a way that is actionable for people right now so even though you know technically publishing your dissertation as a book would be a no-no uh charles is pretty intentional in saying look i i, I paid for this i worked on it i want to share this with people and if there's something in here that's useful, then let's get this in the hands of folks so that way they can start to take action on it now. So if a teacher somewhere picks up that book, is inspired to do something different or shift a mindset or to maybe challenge a colleague or even challenge a student differently, that's mission accomplished. I'm reminded when, uh, what was it, Ta-Nehisi Coates, his, the, the book um, Between the World and Me came out and there was it was right in the midst of Black Lives Matter and all of that. And I was reading an interview, watching an interview with him, and he talked about how he could see people taking concepts he talked about as an idea in his book or in his writings and applying that in real time in the in that moment he's like that's the only reason i wrote it and everything else is interesting but if people can't take it and use it then it's not then it doesn't actually count so i think i really appreciate that about charles's research and the work he's been doing and how he's may remained authentic to who he is so it's not enough to say let me tell let me put this research uh, let me add to the research body a different voice, but actually let me continue to manifest that voice authentically as I go about my work. So, so, so why is it why is it a no no to publish it? 
I don't get that. Oh, well, because typically in academia, the intention is, I mean, there are two, there are different types of people who try to go after a doctorate and have to write a dissertation. I call it book report because that's kind of all it is most, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a deep and, ass book report. But right. ahead, <laughs> and Charles, I tell you, I tell people yeah. all the time we're going for doctorates. Look, yeah. you've been writing book reports since you were like three with crayons. So don't tell me that you can't do it. You can do it. It's got more rules and you got to write more pages. You got to use better sentences. But the bottom line is you kind of sort of could almost write this in crayon, follow the rules and you'll probably be okay. So uh, typically it's a no, no to publish it because it's sort of fairly early stage research and it has some refinement and all that kind. So publishing it is an important step if you're on the pathway to tenure and all that. So it's a bunch of rules and protocols, but the truth is in 2020, we don't need those things. If you, I mean, I think uh, Sean Genwright um, said something to the effect of he's gotten more people reading the article that he publishes on Medium um, than anybody will ever download and read off of the academic websites. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and you know, I made him, I'm the one that told him to put yes. it on Medium. And so right? I've right. actually given that message to other researchers. Like, mm-hmm. look, you, you should actually find a way to say what you got to say, distill it down to what matters, and then write it up and then distribute it out to people mm-hmm. in a way that is outside of that paradigm if you want people to use your research. If you're just doing the research so you can stack up credentials and move up the system, then you then that's then you do you. But if you by helping people, then you then that is going to be insufficient as it has always been. Ray, I know you got questions for us, but can I can we go in on this just a little bit? Because I, I I wanted to just get at the respect that it deserved. I mean, one listen, if you don't want to go and do that, don't do it. I just want you to know that you can if you want to. Like I don't mm-hmm. care what you do, but a lot of people don't think that they can, right? Yeah. But I think for me, it was interrupting that space, and it was. That space didn't accept me. The same, like it, 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 they, the stuff that I read told me how deficient I was. Uh, it, what it felt like in my doctoral program, and I've written about this, it felt like it was for white people, like it was intro to black and brown kids 101. And it kind of puts in them this air, it's in ed schools at least, it puts in them this air that those are the people that can save them, right? Like, like you white lady can save, you know, these folks. And I just wanted to interrupt that. But I fought with the academy. I, I did things a little differently. I finished early. Um, and I, I said that I didn't want to write to the academy. Like, I, and I know that you... It's, it's in there, but this is really important. So every time Dr. Jim Wright approved a chapter, I took it to black moms because that's who I was writing it for. And whatever they couldn't follow, something that didn't make sense, like I would either try to change and alter it or I would just take it out because it, like that's who I wrote it for, right? And, 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 and I just think that that's, but that's the agency and power that I have. And, and, it was, and Dr. Jim Wright was dope. He was like, I'm your chair. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are the rules. You got to do these hours and you got to pass these classes, but I'm your chair. So you do what we say. And I, and I just appreciate uh, that space because a lot of a lot of chairs don't lead you like that. There's some chairs that have set their people up for, for failure. Um, so I just I just wanted to say that because it is um, it is like frowned upon to publish your, your, your dissertation. But here's the thing. These cats was charging people seventy dollars to get a copy of my stuff. They were charging people thirty dollars for a hard for a paperback that was super cheap looking, and like just what fifteen or twenty dollars for the PDF behind a paywall. And it's like 
you know, that's the thing that we tell people, right? Like, you're like, it's the book report. Nobody wants to read a dissertation. Well, I've sold a few thousand copies at this point, right? Like, <laughs> so, you know what I'm just saying, right? Like, well, what you told me, Charles, I missed my opportunity. All, I'm, all I'm saying is, I think that- Not too late. But I think when you know your audience and who you're writing for and who you're doing it for, you know what I'm saying? It, it makes a difference. And, and, and now I pass this on to like Ray, right? Like, I want to see Ray be successful. I give him a lot of a lot of trash here and I mess with him a lot, but I want to see him be successful because I think that energy is needed. But it's on me and, and Brian and other folks and, and, and Chris and uh, Sharif, because actually Chris played a big role in how I went about my work, too. He said it, but like we really had deep conversations about it. His, his voice was in the back of my head. You know what I'm saying? But like we're going to make sure you get through. We're going to make sure you whatever you do it after is on you. But we're going to drag you across that line if we got to, because it's important for us to be there because they can't pull certain type of things if you in the room. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to say that I didn't want to go off script with you, Ray. I wanted to respect what you set up, but I just felt like that piece fit in there no, because no. Okay. sometimes people are slaves to a process, a process that wasn't built for them to flourish anyway. So why not change it? I, I do what I want to do. And uh, and we'll just and see why what not happens. share. Why not share with? I, I mean, and that's because it's, it's like it's, this exclusive thing, right? That's supposed is meant to exclude. It's meant to be written in a way that excludes people. I mean, think about the looks that you get when you tell people that you read dissertations for fun, right? I know somebody just put in the comments. God bless you. But, but this is my question. There was a time. There was a time in Black history, for instance, where your degree was considered a communal communal Absolutely. property, right? There's a there was a point in our history where where y'all weren't just individuals <laughs> like you, you were the race being lifted up and going through those things and your degree, which you came out with was communal property. So I see when I read these dissertations, I see all this amazing research and, and worldviews that people have that they could be teaching. There's a lot of, like you do a lot of work when you do that stuff. I just don't know why, why folks would keep it to themselves. Mm. That's what's up, man. Go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry, That's brother. I, I appreciate you giving us that room, Ray. I, I really want to, I'm respecting the host today, brother. <laughs> Y'all done had a conversation. I could no, tell no, no. you. You know what? You know what? You, yeah, you know, you know what it is. Meeting. This yeah. is their private meeting I'm, that they yeah, had. I'm seeing, I'm seeing something else here. Okay. No, 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 right, no. no. I, right. Me and Ray arguing. Yeah, like, no, no. You know what it is. This week has been yeah. so rough. My basement flooded this week. Uh, I'm in a flash flood warning right now. I've been wanting to punch something all week. I've been wanting to like go in and like just super frustrated over things I can't control. So like, I really was looking forward to the podcast today. Like, Welcome I, to home ownership, my brother. Welcome to home ownership. Yeah, love man. <laughs> Gotta love it. All, all you need now is some wife and kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, hey. <laughs> mute them. Just mute them. Just mute them. Go ahead, Ray. I got you, Ray. <laughs> Yo, so so what were, what were some of the guests that you saw in the research, bro? Uh, us? Um, talking about us in a positive way, talking about us in a way that wasn't influenced by like a white lady, right? Talking about us with some agency, talking about us like we don't have to depend on other people to raise our kids and to educate our kids. I mean, it was so many things. It was so many things about what was wrong with me that I read or what was wrong with our culture or whatever. And that's fine. You can have those thoughts. But there was never... Um, there just wasn't a lot of things that that I felt affirmed people. And I think the other thing, man, that was that was big for me is most of the time and most of the things that I read, it's like it's like in the movies. The movie tends to end when the kid graduates. Right. I looked I wanted to look at the full scope of these young black men and I wanted to go beyond that graduation. I wanted to go beyond that perceived success because there was residue that came up that's affecting them today. And if we know those things, we can actually do better by black kids, right? So it's like they deserve to have the best academics and 
you know, there's something about the way we are raised and brought up socially, emotionally, um, that if we don't heal from or if we don't actually deal with, it comes back in really negative ways and self-destructive ways. And I've been very open and honest with this group. I mean, Brian, part of the reason I think Brian spent so much time with me, Brian knows that I have a temper, like a real one. Like he's, he's, he's seen it. He's seen hands almost get thrown on people. Like he it's happened. Like he's, he stopped it. Right. Like, or, um, or, or y'all have seen it. Right. Like, but there's a way that I had to be wired, man, the way I grew up. I was never the hard kid. I was never a thug. I never was about that life. But I learned how to survive in that stuff. And that you just don't get automatically reprogrammed once you walk across the stage. But if we don't have those open conversations, right, like we not doing the thing right by some of these young black kids uh, that we're that we're putting all this stuff on them to actually have to get through and to bypass. Um, and then they, they get they, they get successful and we expect expect them to be okay. And, um, and nobody was talking about that, not in a way that was affirming, not in a way that made us feel like worthy. Right. It was always like a shame thing. So, you know, I don't know if Brian is falling asleep on me right now, but, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but, you know, uh, but, but, but I think, but that's, that's why, um, and 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 no, those are just some of the gaps that I saw. Um, and 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 I'm looking forward to your research. I'm looking forward to when you talk about parents and the role that parents play and why we need to actually include parents because I've been in rooms where people actually think very lowly of parents. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So your stuff is really important and right on time because you a parent and Chris is a parent and Brian and Sharif are parents <laughs> and y'all go hard as hell for your kids. You know what I mean? So you are not the way you are portrayed in certain literature. And so I just think it's important. Yeah. So audience, I'm glad that you guys are with us. I'm glad you guys are rocking out. We got a new segment. These people don't even know about the segment, but it's a <laughs> new segment. <laughs> it's the Chris's bag take segment. So we're going to throw it Chris. He's going to have a bad take. So Chris, What's your bad tech today, bro? Uh, I don't know. I, I have so many. <laughs> I have gonna, so many. We're going to give you the solo screen for this. Uh, I have so many. How can I just pick one? Well, Jesus, your hat starts off with it. I, I just mean, saw what your hat said. said. Not, not a socialist. Got There's you. a bad take. <laughs> I don't even have to do it. Here's my segment right here. <laughs> That's my whole segment right there. Just, just so y'all know, y'all call it a bad take. And even I will call it a bad take, but I think it's a good take. So, so you know. <laughs> I believe in the take. You know, right, right. It's, 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 it's a real take. Um, so no, I don't Double have a bad take. This. This. So, so, so no, no. I'm not gonna do that. So this, is, this is your show, man. Every show, every, okay. Every it, it, show it'll come up, it. like right. you know. Yeah, it'll come up. Well, just know we got a we got a segment real, built out for you every uh, every episode from here on out. <laughs> mm-hmm. We gonna get to your shot. Mm-hmm. So, Doctor B, man, you you was on uh, Charles's dissertation committee. Tell us about how Charles matured from like start to finish. <laughs> That's <laughs> an interesting word. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah the first drafts were rough. Um, uh, so I think when Charles started, uh, he was, well, you said you started energy converters when you started your, your program, Charles, or no? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was kind of concurrent a little bit. Okay. But you were still working for the four letter, right? Yeah, I was. Okay. So Charles is still working for the school district. The four letter. Uh, <laughs> uh 
O-U-S-D. They're four Chris, letters. Chris is going to take that. I just want you to know. know it's gonna, I'm going I'm to make that a thing. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I think, uh, you know, he... He'd been uh, doing all kinds of stuff in the side and education and working inside the system and working outside. And uh, he had a pretty strong point of view about um, about what does it mean to provide great education for black boys in a way that is where there is a sense of uh, ownership. That is to say, I have ownership over my child's education. I'm not dependent upon somebody else. I'm not leaving someone else in the driver's seat uh, in systems that spend a lot of time and effort de- disempowering parents, right? Sort of saying, actually, you can't do that. Your voice doesn't matter. Some variation of be quiet, sit in the corner. Um, and so I think it took a while for him to find how to situate that point of view and that opinion inside of the academy. Because the thing about, um, you know, getting... Uh, terminal degree programs like this is there's just a game you got to play to get through. You can you can push on the edges, but if you try to push the whole thing, it'll take you 15 years to finish, and that and that that's kind of not what we want, right? There's no benefit for being almost done with your doctorate. Um, <laughs> so Ray, I think I understand you were trying to get your doctorate now, sir. My... Yes, he's he's in the writing phase, and excellent. Yeah. So the same thing my advisor told me, I get no glory from you almost finishing. I only get glory when you finish. So please finish. Um, so I think it took Charles a minute to figure out how does he find the places where he needs to push in his program for his own mental health and well-being uh, and the places where it's like, that's not going to be my fight. I'm going to have to back off of that. Uh, and then I think the the piece that I was most worried about was when he, as he was writing this, he was telling me how he was wanting to write it. He wanted to be focused on community. And I was just worried that he was going to get stuck in that, in the cycle around that. And it would just take him many, many years to finish. And it didn't. He, he said some pretty aggressive timeline goals. I was like, that's, you know, come on, no one does that. And he was like, watch me. I, I know with Charles, if I give him a little doubt, he will do it just to prove me wrong. So I figured I know you can't get this done in six months challenge would be effective with him. And it was more or less pretty effective. Um, so I think he left that program a bit savvier about knowing how to play the game, a bit clear about what parts of the game are worth playing, what parts are worth challenging uh, and what parts are just not worth it, not worth it at all. Um, and then I think he left pretty much on fire about, I think the, the, I think Chris, your work with him to get him to say, this is that your degree is community property. It does not, it does us no good. If you get, if you go through all this struggle through this, we support you through this. And at the end of the day, you ain't going to do with us no more. That's, that's, that's not going to work. Um, and so I think that's actually, to me, what's most exciting that there are, there are other black scholars who are, who are that grounded in community, but it's a rare thing in the grand scheme. Again, the system doesn't allow that, right? You don't get, Black uh, folks who teach at college talk about all the time. I spend hours mentoring blacks, mentoring students of color, recruiting them, engaging them, talking to them, calling their mamas when they don't know what to say to them. And none of that counts on my tenure track work. Right. I got to do all that plus all the work it takes to be an academic. And so I think it's exciting. Uh, that Charles has said, I'm not jumping in that system entirely. I'm going to try to find some place in the middle where I can be authentic to who I am, where the work that matters to me is credited um, in helping me build towards something. Um, and that's a model for other folks who are coming behind. So I think that's exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how this, how, how he continues to shape and form this um, as he's done so far. 
So Charles, mm-hmm. bringing it back to you, bro. You talk about having love and disdain for your parents. Can you expand on this? Uh, yeah, uh, I think that uh, get Chris's bad take uh, moniker bet ready again because he might have something from this. I'm, I'm very, I'm very honest. Like, I, I listen. I love my parents. Uh, we have a different type of relationship, though, right? Like, I, I have always been more on the equal level of my parents than them than having the benefit of having them as my parents. I, my brother and sister has parents. You know what I mean? They're both actually kind of spoiled, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> I mean, they are, right? I mean, my parents... So, basically, my parents got clean when I was in middle school. Like, at that point, I was pretty, like, self-sufficient at that point, right? Like, I had... And I had already raised... I helped raise my brother and sister. It's part of the reason I don't want kids. I... I hated it. I, 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 I hated having that responsibility. Waking up at six, getting my sister dressed. My mother was in a rehab. We were in the shelter. Get her dressed. The, 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 the shelter had a daycare because they wanted y'all to go out and get a job. My brother was in kindergarten. This is when we had K through six in Oakland in the four letter still. So I was in sixth grade. He was in kindergarten. I would My job was to get him dressed, get him in a class. I go to school. Then I would stay at the boys club till about eight and my dad would pick him up. I hated it. And um, so when I say there's a love and disdain for my parents, it was I don't I don't I don't I don't know if disdain is necessarily the right word. I just don't depend. Here's here's what it taught me. When the people who's is in their DNA is written in that code to protect you and to make sure you're okay, and they fail at that and they're not able to do it. Even though they they recovered and they do great now. I love I'm I'm so proud of where they are now. It 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 changes your outlook on the world. If my parents can let this fall by the wayside. What, it, what, what can you do? What can anybody do? And that's made me very, very self-sufficient. And again, you know, as you all are my podcast brothers in this work, and, and, and Brian, you've known me just kind of for years, you know, if I ask something like once or twice and, it, and I have to ask again, I'm just like, it ain't, I'm not mad or anything. It's just I'm just going to go do it because I can't wait. Like, you know what I mean? And, and so that, that, that reads off to other people, but it taught me. Uh, that I got to look out for me from early on. And I learned how to take care of myself from early on. So I wouldn't change the thing, actually. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for more time. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't change the shelters. Um, I, I think that it built something in me. It, ha- it comes with good and bad. But those are the folks that actually make big differences. Those are the folks that make big changes. Those are the people that tell their dissertation chair and their other committee members, like, no, I'm going to get that done in, in, in that time. And with time to spare. And this is how we're going to do it. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's giving me a freedom. Um, and all I all I want is to be free, man. I, this whole thing for me is about liberation and freedom. And so um, so that's kind of what that means when I talk about having a love and disdain. I love my parents, but yeah. I don't have parents that I go to for fatherly or motherly advice. I don't I don't have that connection. Um, there are other people that I would call first. I would call Brian first on some, on certain things. I would call, you know, Sean on some things. I might call you all on some things. Right. And, and, and there might be some things that I might talk to them about, but I've never really felt that authority figure as a parent outside of my grandmother. And I probably never will. Yeah, that's what's up. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw you this next question. But instead of you being a shoot first point guard like Russell Westbrook, <laughs> I'm going to need you to be John Stockton to set everybody else up to come in. Sure. Does that make sense for you? Yes, sir. All right, cool. All right. You see how he tried to get in my neck, though, and I was showing him love this whole time? <laughs> and why got to be John Stockton, though? Like, I mean, know, last dance and all tonight, you know? I mean, <laughs> the finale, up? baby. <laughs> so, uh, what is good. Black Finally. Black academic trauma attacks. And uh, why is it a thing? 
So to, to set folks up is basically what I said. It is for black males that have gone through acute traumas, not the traumas, not the 2020 traumas that everybody's facing because trauma's just been bastardized as a term. Everybody got trauma, but acute traumas like seeing somebody killed or murdered or whatever, but have still gone on to see great success, whether it's in academia or sports or business. Uh, they pay a higher social emotional tax later on in life in their thirties and forties um, than other folks that had healing along the way. That's what the black academic trauma tax is. Uh, so what I would ask to you all is in your own words, uh, I, that, you know, how would you all kind of characterize that? Or, uh, I mean, Ray, this is you the host, but I mean, so did I, did I open it up enough for people to be able to comment on that brother? I'm trying yeah, to, you definitely, you definitely opened it up. Right. You, opened it, you, you, you did a really good job of opening it up. I'm throwing it right to reef reef. Talk to us, baby. I know you've had some trauma and y'all can disagree. It might not be a thing, right? You might be like, Oh, I don't agree with that notion. So no, I mean, I, I think the, this idea of resiliency, I mean, this is why I would get upset when people would, would uh, educators would come in schools and classrooms and say, where, you know, the only thing that's holding these children back is that they don't have grit, you know, things like that, where, you know, often they have more grit in their fingernails than, than the teachers who were trying to teach them grit. Uh, I think, you know, just from, you know, all circumstances. When you look at W.B. Du Bois and the Philadelphia Negro and how he, when he was looking at the situations that black people were in in Philadelphia, what he called the, you know, where we, a lot of people hear about the talented 10th, but also talk about the, uh, the submerged 10th, um, the folks who were just like, you know, scraping and clawing to get through. And they're able to live, trying to live their life in one way, but there's so many forces pushed against them in, in so many other ways, um, including in, in, in schools. Yeah. So, Dr. B, coming straight to you, bro. Yes, sir. Um, you, look, you looked initially and you was like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> What's, what's, what's in that cup, right? <laughs> uh, uh, wet ignorance, wet yeah, ignorance. Wet. That's what's in that cup. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I said I was, I was writing this dissertation is still a tricky endeavor. So I was a little worried about that for Charles, but I knew he'd figure it out. And that's exactly what he did. Clean that up. Um, no, I think the, sort of the notion that um, that trauma doesn't just go away because you've achieved what the outside world would recognize as some success is a really is a really powerful one that um, that the that the the sort of the the what it takes to figure out how to navigate through that trauma um, those skills that you develop those habits those self protective uh, habits and disciplines that you create uh, can become real impediments to you when you're in a different context uh, as well as opportunities for, for healing from that. So um, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, when I, when I worked at, uh, at uh, St. Mary's college and I saw lots of black men who had, who had, who had made it, they made it out of where they were at uh, and then helping to helping them figure out how now you navigate an entirely different, primarily white space with all of the weirdness and zaniness of a primarily white college and a super wealthy suburb where folks like to pretend race isn't real and racism doesn't exist. Uh, but my brothers get pulled over by the police and don't quite know how they should react um, to that. Um, 
in the message that sends them um, and sort of just the baggage they have to carry. So no, that's a very real thing. Um, and I think the opportunity to sort of lift that up and share that and then, so then sort of talk about that openly amongst educators uh, is a real, uh, is a very good thing. What about counseling? Can you talk about counseling? Like how often did you speak to folks that needed counseling or maybe wow. shied away from it? Oh, uh, it, it, well, so the <laughs> uh, trying to get African-American men, when I worked with them uh, in college as a director of election programs to go and do counseling, um, that was some work. It, it typically would fall flat if I couldn't find a counselor of color, if I couldn't find another black man. Um, so ways around that is we is I we would do a ton of work with the counseling center um, to actually put them in spaces to build relationships with um, these students in particular. Uh, whether it was, hey, come to this event, uh, you know, we're doing the barbecue out here, roll through, I, I get you, I got you a plate, sit down, have a conversation. Um, it might be doing things in group settings, there are all kinds of different strategies, but really, if I couldn't get the relationship, if we couldn't find ways to get the relationship situated, then they were never going to talk about the real thing. And then there was the question of how well, how well trained and um, supportive of the counselors to even have those conversations because they bring their own baggage to that to that relationship as well. And so um, that was tough um, when when uh, there are a few times when I'd bring in uh, folks from outside and we would just meet and talk with the student. I'd be like, look, we can do this every single week on Thursday. I'm not a counselor, but if you have this conversation with me and Dr. So-and-so who's not here, but who's willing to give this time, I will help you. Then let's do it. Um, so it was. It was a lot of that. It was. A, it, it was a lot. And so I can imagine what that's like at scale, right? I can imagine that a big university or a community college, where most of our, where most of us actually start college out at, where the resources aren't there for that, where the capacity may not be there for that, where it's easier for kids to sort of disappear, for students to sort of disappear off camp, all those things, right? Just just would just complicate that quite a bit. But I would say access to quality therapists of color. Um, who can sit and build deep relationships um, is a non-negotiable essential component to helping folks navigate how you actually manage the the trauma of what it means to be a black man in America. Yeah. Chris. You know, what I loved about Charles' research is just that I had never really thought too much about um, what might still be in people who made it the ones that we considered as having done well in life, graduated from college, got a house, you know, maybe a family. Um, and by all outward appearances, you know, you've made it, you've done well, you've done it, the thing that we're all told that if you do that, you're successful. And, um, and in Charles's work, it was this question that, you know, uh, that's not the end of the story. There's, there's still some more there. There's still, you're still carrying things around with you. I don't think I would have ever really, thought about that too much. Um, I, I, I probably would, for sure wouldn't have thought it was a thing in people who are living well now, right? Like by, by all outward appearance are, are living well, but still are putting up with microaggressions in their profession, putting up with things that throw their con credentials into question, you know, living the daily grind of still maybe reverting back to the way you had been in the past because you're encountering a tough time or a difficult time. Um, 
So anyways, that that thought for me was really important because, you know, what we talk about on the show all the time is education. And, you know, the general concept that we think through is if you do well in school and if you get out, you get a job, you get, you know, you do well, you get a house and all that stuff. Success. That's the end of the story. Um, That's the end of the story for people who are in ed reform at the K-12 end of it, because that's all we're pushing for, really, is to get more people in that position. I think Charles's work brings into view that um, that that's not really all there is. It's not just that's that's not the end of the story. Right. Right. All right. So, Charles, man, we we, we, we coming close, but <laughs> yo, I need you to hit on this, baby, uh, for you <laughs> and Dr. B. Can y'all talk to us about um, California's AG? Uh, follow up question in terms of when you got the uh, Hayward in 2001. So talk to us about A to G. Uh, Brian, you want to go first or you want me to take it? It's up to you. Sure. I, I'm happy to go first. So uh, A to G is the system is the, the, the sort of um, set of courses that you have to take in order to be eligible for the University of California and California State University system. So our main four-year universities um, in California. And essentially those are the requirements for just about every four-year college and state community colleges. You don't need any of those things. You just, um, you, you can actually start taking classes in high school and begin to um, progress to your associate's degree uh, without meeting A through G. Um, in most cities and most communities, uh, one of the important indicators of um, how equitable your school system is, is who's meeting A through G requirements and who's not. So in Oakland, I want to say it was one in one in four African-American males graduate A through G qualified, something like that. Something like it, it hovers which 25, 35, roughly. Um, yeah, somewhere and there. there's some outliers in our traditional schools. In right? our traditional schools, right. Mm-hmm. Charter schools have a little different, but the bottom line is um, it is exceedingly rare for there to be a school where 100% of the black men uh, who, who graduate from that school are ACG qualified. It just generally mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Um, uh, second issue is access to courses and course hours. And a few years ago, we did a, um, when I was at the Oakland Ed Fund, we did a, um, we did a study um, around um, how many, uh, how many students could get A through G requirements? Something like half of the comprehensive high schools, you actually couldn't get A through G. It was, it was, it was basically impossible for you to meet the, some of the requirements around A through G. Uh, and I remember this is, one of those, this is one of those moments for me where we did the support with the school district. My jaw's on the floor. I'm on the ground. <laughs> I cannot believe this. It's outrageous. And uh, we take it to the school board and it's more or less crickets, right? It's more or less crickets from all of the advocates. It's more or less crickets from all of the organizing groups. Like it's like no one is as outraged about this uh, in the way that I think it should be, because really what that means is black kids cannot get cannot meet the criteria, even if you do what you're supposed to do, which is a which is a not terribly surprising, but still deeply uh, troubling uh, outcome, right? That you show up every day, I go to class, I do what I got to do, I get to the end, it's like, yeah, sorry, you can't go to CSU. You have to start your, your four-year college, the, the furthest point out, which is community college. We have great community colleges in California, but that's a hard road to get all the way to two degree. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's even more sinister, right? I mean, we're not talking about kids that's cutting, that's like, not passing. These are kids that are graduating with 3.0s, 3.5s, right? 
And it's like, no, that that ceramics class actually doesn't count towards anything. And this is why your work is going to be really important, Ray, and you should get that done is because parents, <laughs> you got to like, but I'm serious. You have to be an active player in this stuff because it changes when they have an advocate, when black kids have an advocate that stows up to the school and knows what they're talking about. They change the classes lickety split. Or if you get a D, a D. And you go and like if a Brian goes and talks to a counselor or a teacher, there's like here's the packet of work that can get you to a C minus. Right. It's very like easy things that can actually be fixed. And that's where it's like, yo, like when Brian is saying that, it's like, yo, are y'all like are we doing this on purpose? Like because this is actually something that we can fix. And um, but because it's not happening to white kids or kids that have bread or kids that have advocates. It's really one of those things that falls by the wayside. I mean, for all intents and purposes, those kids are essential workers, and uh, and we opening the and we trying to open the city back up on them, right? So that that's why it's such a big thing because in California, one of the largest, we have one of the best higher education systems. Like just for people that don't know that don't live in California, if you have a certain GPA, you are promised a spot in the mm. university. Like you're pro- it's promised to you. It's part of the it's part of the um it's part of our plan. Like we have a master plan in California. Um, we promise you this spot in the space. And like a friend of mine was coming up to my school all every weekend. I was a senior. He graduated with over 3.0 and could not get into that school and decided to go to the, to, to the service and did two tours in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. Like he could have died. You know what I mean? Like, so it's something that I, that, that I hold really dear to my heart. Because I see it's not one of those super complicated things, right? When it's complicated, we can talk it away. This is actually something that's kind of relatively simple. And it's just this is just a will thing. And it's really, mm-hmm. it's really sad. Yeah. So this throws me right into the next question, bro. Uh, when you got to Hayward in uh in 2001, did you feel like you were prepared? Oh, hell no. You ain't even got to finish reading the question. Uh, no, no, I was, I graduated in a top percentile of, I was in like the top 10% at Emory. And then I left my senior year because my coach left and I, and we moved to Stockton, but I still graduated pretty high. And I was remedial everything. I had AP English, AP, like I had a bunch of AP classes and I was remedial math and remedial English. That meant that I was taking 20 units Eight of those units that did not count on top of everything I had to do. I had work study and I had to get a job on top of that. Like, it, it, and a lot of people, the one thing that saved me it was this black man. They We had this big orientation. They put all the black kids together. And this black dude kept it super real. And this is why I'm always trying to tell the truth when I had these talks with people. He said, look to the left and look to the right. Out of three of you, two of you will be gone. And let me tell you how you're going to be gone. And he broke it down. And he said, one of the things, remedial classes will break some of you down. I'm telling you now that you belong here and you should be here, but you won't believe it. You're going to get intimidated and you're not going to finish. That was one. Mm -hmm. And he said, Mm -hmm. two, a lot of y'all going to make some friends and you're going to be more popular and attractive than you've ever been. And you're going to spend your time in the the food court. And that's where you're going to end up being. And this ain't high school. We will let your ass go and take your money. And I, I, I so respect that man. And then he gave us some tips. And I followed those tips to a T. He said, if you a black person, sit in the T in every class. The T is either the first two rows or the middle rows. It, it, it strategically puts you in a place where you have to pay attention. And he said, make sure every professor knows your name. Make sure you go up and introduce yourself and you go to their office hours so they know who you are. And I followed all the tips that that dude gave me. And I, when I tell you that... I had so many people that I started with and we was cool that first, those, those first, those first few trimesters. It was, 
they were gone, man. A lot of us did not finish and some people just now finishing. Right. So um, that I would no, Sorry. No, Ray. I was not ready. <laughs> okay. So that's what's up, man. And I appreciate your, your, your vulnerability and I appreciate you being honest with us. So talk to us about what inspired energy converters like tell us what energy converters is and what inspires you to do it energy converters is something that i wrote a long time ago it started in a blog that i did for huffington post and i i the one i didn't learn a lot in my high school i'm gonna keep it a buck with you um but i learned about energy and i learned that you can't stop energy you can either you can you can transfer it or you can convert it into something and so i had a lot of anger man i was a very angry kid i, I it, it just was a lot of things that had happened and uh and I learned, like, in basketball, I always did better when, like, somebody kind of pissed me off or somebody had something to say or somebody told me what I couldn't do. And I took that energy, like, when that dude said that we wasn't going to make it, I was like, oh, I'm fucking finishing. Like, I'm finishing, right? Um, and so I just learned that there's a lot of energy that people have, whether it's negative energy or whatever. Energy doesn't have a value till you give it one, right? So, like, my basement flooded, right? And I'm very mad and upset about it, but... I'm looking at now, I'm like, oh, you know what? But now I can actually do these other things now that this stuff is kind of ripped up and I can put it back the way that I want. Like I can take, it's, it's my responsibility to take that energy and do something good with it. You know, like the same way, that's how this podcast came along. We all had a lot of heat for people. We were like, we would go to conferences and we would have these conversations and we'd be like, ain't nobody, why ain't nobody talking about this stuff? And instead of just being mad and talking about it just amongst ourselves, we said, well, let's take it to the people. Who cares if anybody listens? We going to listen and we going to talk. And it turned into something that took us on, what, a 20-city tour or something like that, right? Like, like it, it's bugged out. Like, we ain't, I don't even know if we even stopped to, like, think about it. So I started Energy Converter so to help other young people tap into that thing inside of them to be able to do whatever the hell they want. And also kids was asking to learn things that they don't learn in school. So they were asking mm -hmm. to learn about entrepreneurship. Like one of the, actually the best classes when I went to Stockton that I had that they took out of the black school was a uh, home ec. I actually had a home ec class in my senior class and it was really, really good. I mean, I learned how to balance a checkbook. I learned about like taxes. Like I learned a lot. Of, I learned how to cook. I learned how to like, how to like, if I got a hole in my pants, I learned how to like sew it. And we don't teach life skills. And I wonder why that's something that we took out. So I built energy converters to help kids tap into that extra thing in them and, and use it to be creative. That's what's up, bro. I appreciate that, man. And I appreciate your work. Um, so, fellas, we're coming up on mm, that time. Yeah. So uh, let's wrap this into. Charles, are you sweating? I am, man. I'm, I, uh, it's hot here because I, we're in a flood warning. So. It's extremely hot outside right now, and it is like buckets of water is being dumped out right now. So, mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So you know, I really so this episode, man, is featured on you. Uh, your 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 one of your dissertation committee folks is here, so it's yeah. kind of featured on him. It's not really about us, but I got I got to ask you something, man. You wrote something in this dissertation that pissed me off, bro. Okay. It came for <laughs> you. Okay. Yes, there it is. There it is. Should have started with this. I was about you to say. At, at this late the, moment, right? Yeah, man, you came for the preppy dresses, bro. I see you up here talking shit about J. Crew and, and LL Bean, bro. What's what's your deal? I'm not. I'm not talking about preppy quality. Quality. Material. I think it. I, listen, I think it is too. <laughs> what I what I said was is that I said some kids learn how to adapt, and part of that 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 adaptation was to dress preppy, and it very sadly it worked for many of those kids. So it's funny. There's a symmetry between Chris's bow tie like 
hits and, uh, and, and kids that actually kind of made it through some of these preppy schools because they had to go to these white schools, right? And they started dressing preppy. Uh, there's actually a straight line, bro. And uh, th- there's something about, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull my Sharif line. There's something about white supremacy that makes us change our appearance so we can seem like less of a threat just to survive and actually stay in a certain place. And instead of focusing and relying on how smart I am or what I actually produce, I'm trying to fool you into like lulling you into actually listening to me. And listen, I like dressing nice. I wear tailor suits and all that stuff when I can. And I wear these T-shirts, but I'm enough and you enough. And mm. if, if I got to wear a fucking bow tie for you to nut. hear me. He said he's enough. 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 Yeah. What is wrong with that? I'm enough. like, Zach, yeah. why are you dissing my yeah. mans like yeah. that? I, what I, so what I, if, if I, I think I found to... my bad take, though. I think I found my bad take. Wait, 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 wait. Go, go, go. Go, Chris, go. Go, go. So you know that I left Oakland to come here. You know, when I when I came to Minnesota, I left Oakland to do it. Yeah. And prep preppy dressing preppy wasn't what you make it out to be youngster. Dressing preppy was a was a thing that that was all across the hood. Right. Popping the collar up. Dressing nice and pre- dressing preppy are two different things. No, no, no. But the preppy thing was a thing. Uh huh. The preppy thing was a thing. Penny loafers and all that, you know, you go to pink socks, you know, you looking like you got out, you just got a risky business or something, right? Yeah, you, like, sure. like you coming straight out of Tom Cruise meeting in some of the worst parts of town. You had that going on, you know, Club Nouveau, uh, uh, um, the Timex Social Club, all this, you just see, see young stuff. This wait, is what never, y'all do. Y'all don't know wait, nothing about wait, wait, nothing. Wait, wait, and whoa, then y'all whoa, have whoa, whoa. See, see, this is why it's bad. This is why it's bad. This is why it's a bad take. In the book, I actually didn't say there was anything wrong with dressing preppy. I dressed very nice. I actually dressed quote unquote preppy. What I was saying was, what was sad, the issue was, is that these young people felt that they had to do that to survive. You can dress however you want to dress. Yeah. But if, if you are a black kid in a school, and in order to be seen and called on by your teacher and not kicked out of class, you have to wear some shit that you don't want to wear. If you want to, I dress nice, but you shouldn't have to dress like I dress to be heard and to be seen yeah. or for your scholarship to be validated. You know that what? In Oakland, you, you come up to a school in Oakland back then looking raggedy. You wasn't gonna get your feelings hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, so you can say all that stuff wait, about wait. like I shouldn't have to. No, 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 no. Have to. no, no. Wait, wait, wait. You gonna, you gonna catch a case? But be be clear, be clear. Dressing not like I have on right now. I have on this shirt from Dope Era, and I have on some Jordans. Right to me, that's in my culture. That's something that's actually very nice. When when we were talking about in the context of dressing preppy, these were kids that stepped outside of who they were to wear some stuff that made other people feel. Uh, less, less, less threatened or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. the thing that I was. I get what you're saying. You, you know, and, and, I, and I appreciate you know, fashion. Right, right, and you know what? That's my only point. Was the preppy thing was the fashion for Absolutely. a period of time, right? After, after parachute yeah. pants, you know, after parachute pants, and before tight jeans, there was there was the preppy situation. And, and Ramon, Ramon so, captured it for me. I mean, I wonder. Quick, I'm not. I'm not doing. It. First of all, none, Chris, all of y'all need some, real some real fashion real uh, advice. Oh from my me, god! So. Please stop it! Please stop you know it! I mean, like, I ain't never <laughs> seen an ashy afro. His afro's ashy. Can we continue? <laughs> That's great hair, bro. Yes, we can't continue. That's Chris, wisdom. Chris, 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 Chris. Yeah, yeah. Plug, plug your daily show and plug your Friday show. 
so my daily show is the citizen ad broadcast right here on Facebook. So if you you'll Google it, you'll find it. It's a daily broadcast. Uh, and on Fridays, Sharif and I do freedom Fridays. So on Fridays, we talk about black education, history, black history, and try and tie it to what's going on today. Nice. And Ramon yeah. de Jesus has had a lot of good stuff to say. He All did. these people have yeah. Elaine Wells, Tish Brady, Michelle, um, Nicole, lots of different folks in here have had stuff, great things to say this entire time. But uh, Ramon de Jesus just really like gave me a hard time because he, he wanted to bring <laughs> me back to we talking about white masks, Chris. You know, I get it. It's the Franz Fanon thing. You know, <laughs> it, you know, if you if you read Franz Fanon, you'll know the thing about the masks. I was just trying to tell the youngster that there was something in his own city before he came along. That's all I was saying. And I I appreciate you, brother. So so real quick, real quick before we roll into final thoughts, uh, Charles, I'm about to post something, man, and I want you to talk about this as much as you can. Okay, I'll do it quickly. About two minutes. All right. Uh, here we go. Right, so, <laughs> so real quick, so so, uh, so real quick, so, so why you uh, who was that? <laughs> so so I got you. Don't trip. Oh, uh, so Dr. Howard Fuller is a, a a friend and mentor to many of us. I think all of us on this podcast. Super dope dot guy, and we are trying to do some stuff just around his legacy. And we have started this thing called mm-hmm. Howard's University. It's going to be just a ten episode run. But basically, you know, me, Ray, Chris, and Sharif, like, we're always around when he's talking, and he just drops, like, this litany of things, and we're always like, can you stop on that thing and kind of tell us some more about that? So mm-hmm. we're building a series for him to just kind of let that breathe. And so I will act as his producer slash TA, but it will just be really a space for him to elaborate just in that knowledge and wisdom that he got that he wants to just share with us and leave us with. So mm-hmm. we're starting that uh, next week. Beautiful. That's what's up. Thanks for sharing that. So let's roll into final thoughts. Reef, we'll start with you. What's up, bro? Well, one, I just appreciate, you know, uh, Dr. Cole and any, you know, research that can be applied to the field, advance the the cause, inform the work, um, because the Lord knows we got a lot of informed, uninformed people working with our children, uh, working in our community. So to be able to have something like that, what what he reminds me of is, you know, being black in America and being black in academia is is some of the same lashes, some of the same pain, uh, some of the same issues. Um, And this conversation reminded me, a friend of mine posted uh, today, she's getting her doctorate. And what she posted was that it's not the work itself that's so frustrating and and drive a lot of people out of academia before they finish. She said it's, it's a lot of time it's the professors who some don't even want that black person to get their PhD. They don't feel like they're worthy to, to be in that space. Uh, two, a lot of times the professors are ill-informed, like sh- the students are actually more informed than the professors are, right? And so particularly around black children and schools and education. Uh, and then the, uh, I think the other part was that they've never been in, in that space. And so they're in this theory, but never been in a practical space. So I appreciate folks like Dr. Stanley, Dr. Cole, um, who are in the space and getting the PhD, the, the PhD and the doctorate. And so I, I really appreciate that. And lastly, I want to just encourage uh, Ray not to be on that 15-year plan that Dr. Stanley mm. uh, recommended. <laughs> you know? so that's, the, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's my last piece. Mm. <laughs> that's encouragement, yeah, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, um, no worries. We got Chris, you. 
That was a good take. I like that one. Um, listen, so I'm always deeply cynical about people going through PhDs. So it's good for me to know people like Charles, Dr. Stanley and others who um, who didn't change, who got the got the information, but kept the foot in in our world and kept a foot in academia and can play in both places. Right. Because we do need y'all to go off into academia and make a difference there. So we need you to keep your membership, um, not to get brainwashed or to become somebody different, but just to be able to play in that venue. But we also need you to make your degree mean something for, for the rest of us out here. And, you know, that's what I see you guys doing. And that's why it's really important to me because I am really suspicious about, um, I've had lots of interactions. You want to talk about trauma. When you're in the education space, especially educational advocacy, PhDs, even your own people sometimes can be the most condescending, arrogant, looking down their nose people that you will ever find in your life. And that whole talented 10th thing and I produce knowledge and all that, that nonsense. It's great that you do all that. But if it doesn't, like if it doesn't pay somebody's rent or change somebody from getting shot somewhere or change some somebody's life, good for you. Good for you. Have fun. Get your nice car. Get your little thing on. That's good. That's good for you. But I'm glad there's there, there's brothers like you, right? Charles, Doctor Stanley. I could keep naming others. Um, um, but I, uh, that, that's all. That's all I got. That that that's my takeaway. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll go to Doctor B. Yeah, I mean, I think the the piece that, again, I just I appreciate Charles so much as being a, a sort of setting, saying this is a way in which you can be an academic, but be one that's oriented towards um, the types of radical transformations we need in our system um, and in our schools, and our communities, if we are going to um, change the outcomes that have been not have been pretty bad for such a long time, um, that more of the same won't get us to where we want to be. Um, so, I, I, so I think I very much appreciate that. And I think we need that in this time. I think we didn't talk too much about um, the the state of the world uh, in terms of Corona and the fact that, you know, Eastern California public school ended in March. Uh, and we have now an entire generation of children that, you know, if you are already behind, if things were going, if things weren't really good for you in public education, they're a whole lot worse now. And if even if things were going OK, uh, they're going to be going somewhat less than OK when we whenever we get back to school. So I think is this is a moment of some need for some pretty deep, pretty radical rethinking of what we do, um, some fierce advocacy to ensure that um, those who are already behind don't simply get left further behind um, and uh, some real healing that folks are, you know, folks are folks are pretty burnt out with this. I, you know, I got two kids. School at home has sucked. Um, my, my children ain't, have learned not near, not a whole lot in the last uh, couple of months. Um, so, I, so I think, you know, this moment uh, requires more radical thinking. And so appreciation to, to Charles and all of y'all really for the incredible work. And I guess, Ray, the last thing I say to you is how, how long have you been working? In the <laughs> I've been I've been working, man. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm finishing. Thing. Yo, matter of fact, matter of fact, here's the, here's the thing. I'm gonna hit you. I'm gonna hit you up now. Since you you know you 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 talking you talking with your I, chest. I think out. that's why he's asking. I'm gonna hit you. I mean, you I'm saying, look, for me. look, I, look I, I will tell you. I tell you, hear what? Right now, this is one of my tricks to help people get through. You all can participate. So when someone tells me they're getting a doctorate, I just I call them doctor immediately. So Doctor Ray, pleasure to meet you today. And the reason why I do that is very simple. 
It's a. It, you it, feel it, like a phony? I'm done with this. I'm not going to get it. That means you have to call me and tell me to stop calling you Doc because you're about to walk away. Give me one more chance for I talk you out of it. So let's all jump on that train together uh, and motivate and compel you to finish. Dr. Ray. We all want to. <laughs> Doc. Dr. Ray. <laughs> I'm trying to get it out. What's up, Dr. Ankrum? Oh, man. Can, can you imagine when this Dr. Ankrum just that? Woo! He's going to change. He's going to change. <laughs> He's gonna be he's gonna be the one one of the ones that switch. He's gonna anyway, switch like quick. Even even the cues even the cues are gonna be like, yo, why you changing, dog? You know what I mean? Oh my god! <laughs> they were like, yo, frat, yo, frat. What's up, frat? Why you acting that way? Yep, it's gonna be the six black yes, hands. I, I will go. To, I will go to my final take, man. Uh, one, I, I really appreciate this. I didn't I didn't know how much I needed this. Y'all made Brian. Uh, mute himself. That's what's up. I didn't know. I didn't know how much I need this. I, I, I it's been a really rough last few weeks, um, and I think pressure that I didn't know was there was kind of there. And this was a good release and got to have a good time. I think as far as this topic is concerned, you know, you all actually played a really a really big role, and it uh, you know, it actually. I, I didn't do this by myself, and this is community property. I will say uh, as far, you know, I do think that we on our own. And I think just from that A through G stuff or the things in that in that piece, uh, parents, we got to figure out a way. I actually think I actually think California should sue. I think that black people in California should sue and say this is something so egregious and so easy to fix. Um, you don't want to see black kids and brown kids actually be able to go to college. Mm-hmm. And why is that? And with Detroit kind of setting a precedence of uh, of suing and winning, um, I think that is something that we should do. But I, I appreciate you all, man. And, uh, you know, I am who I am and I appreciate y'all accepting me as who I am. I think that we got a bigger mission and I, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. And I'm not going to always do it the right way. But, um, Brian, thank you so much for for, for pushing me. And, uh, and and I just truly appreciate it. And so and keep and stay on Ray and, you know, Sharif, keep trolling them and Chris keep, you know, messing with him. And uh, and, you know, and, and, and I just appreciate you, brother. So thank you. Yeah. So, man, yo, this I, was, think, you know, I, I think before we go out, we should all applaud Charles for his great work. <laughs> Uh, you know, right. Don't do don't do that. I, everybody, I'm gonna feel weird. Don't everybody, do that. So you should applaud him for his great work, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you should I, do it. Y'all, y'all already did, brother. It's all good. Don't don't you do just, it. Just, so just, so, just so that Ray finished the show, so, so I can make sure it. my floor ain't flooded. Just just so, just so you guys know that are that are in the comment section. This was only about five questions, but we really had a show built out with like 20 questions. So this could actually be a five part series. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Ray, we'll, we'll, I'll come, I'll come on your oh, thing or I'll Lord. go on Chris's thing and we'll, we'll finish yeah. it there. And I'm looking forward to seeing Brian on Chris's thing, waking up at, you know, crack of dawn to go do that show. So he's in now. So Happy yeah. yeah. Chris, Happy to do it. But, 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 for the people. For the people. people. right. For the people. Right. What's your final thoughts, man? Take us home. So my final thoughts are this, man. I love it when we're able to come together and lift each other. Uh, I feel like that's important as black men. And so Mm -hmm. next week, we got Reef up. We highlighting Reef's work next week. And so I'm super excited about that, man. And yo, I just, I'm grateful at the fact that I can learn from you guys every week. 
You've been listening to the eight black hands. We're, we're, I'm sorry. We're, real quick, though. Real quick. Oh, what's up, man? Good to see you, buddy. I haven't been here. Right. I, the only reason I, I, I interrupt. Like, listen, people, it's a lot of people doing podcasts. And it's a lot of people kind of looking at the eight black hands. being like, we can do that. Here's the thing. It ain't just a podcast. All four of the, of the, of the hands, all, all eight of the eight black hands, like, get busy, right? Like, this works because of the work that we do that feeds in and like crescendos into mm. this work. You know what I'm saying? So I love competition. I'm not mad at bro, it. I've been I'm listening with to it. Bro, I'm just listening. letting you know. I'm I've just been letting it be known. I've been, I've been listening. I've been listening. And uh, <laughs> what do they say uh, about flattery? Uh, when you, yeah, what do uh, you do? Uh, imitation is, is, is the, yeah, the highest form of flattery. And, look, form and of I'll help you build out your it, podcast. I yeah, think we should have stuff in the space. Some, but, some of the shit I'm hearing is trash. Oh, you not us. I That's it. That's what I got. <laughs> All right. So, you've been to, you've been listening to the Was that a raised bad take? <laughs> yeah. Y'all I mean, like, I'm the only one with bad takes. <laughs> y'all, y'all really do. We approach this work with all levels of humility. We're grateful for the space. Nah. And and congratulations to everybody who's doing something in, you know, in this online and, and later, stuff. Later on this year, I can't wait to jump on a track with Chris Emden. And we're going we're gonna to roll. <laughs> Hey, that's my man, yo. Hey, he like I, hey, he yeah, won, I got He one of the people that Don't got me start. through, bro. He Don't got me start. through. Exactly. He got me through. Exactly. He, he got me through. And he's, he didn't have he's to. contributing positive things yeah. in the And space. he lifted yeah. me, bro. I was yeah. ready to quit. Take, but let, let's push that in, boo. Close the show out. We're taking it to the fam. Close the show out, fam. I love y'all, man. I gotta. We gotta go. A black. You have been listening to the A Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole. El Mecky and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.